everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Life of a Fashion Student podcast with me, your host, Christina Ang. We are heading towards the end of May, which is just beyond me because I feel like it was just the beginning of May. I guess that's how fast time flies by when you're in quarantine and it's a scary thing to be completely honest with you guys because it feels like my life is flying by really fast and I'm not getting a chance to really see the outside world before it does. With all sad things aside, The month of May holds a very special place in my heart because it is the month I was born in and by the time this podcast episode has gone up, I will have already celebrated my birthday with my twin sister and it wasn't the most ideal celebration a girl turning 20 could have but it did the job and I was just grateful to be happy and healthy with the rest of my family, especially my twin sister because I originally didn't even think that I was going to be celebrating our birthday together. I think if this quarantine has taught us anything, it's really to appreciate and enjoy the little things in life, which I'm definitely finding myself doing now more than ever. And just if any of you were interested, I splurged for my birthday gift and bought myself a Marc Jacobs bag, which was completely unexpected for me, but I thought I deserved something nice since I worked so hard for school and, you know, doing what I'm doing now. Besides just being the month that I was born in, May is also Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And just for sanity reasons, I'm going to refer to this name as just like AAPI month, so I don't have to repeat the whole thing over and over again each time that I mention it. I believe this event is only celebrated in the US, so if you're not from the US and are not familiar with what this is, it's basically a period during the duration of the month of May in which we recognize the contributions and influence of Asian Americans and Pacific Islander Americans to our history, culture, and achievements of the United States. Yeah, that was definitely a mouthful. Now, I'm gonna be really honest with you guys. I didn't fully know that this was a thing until like maybe two years ago, which is kind of sad because I am a part of the Asian American community myself. So if you're listening right now and had no idea about this either, don't worry about it because I'm sure there are still some people out there who, you know, don't know about it. Since I'm a part of this large community and I felt kind of ashamed that I only knew about this monthly event until recently, I kind of wanted to look into how AAP month was, you know, how it came to be because I'm sure we're all a little curious about this and what I found online was pretty interesting to me so I thought I would just come and share it with you guys and just provide a little history lesson for you guys. So according to the Times Magazine, the creation of AAPI month started with a woman named Jeannie Ju who was a former Capitol Hill staffer who had first approached Congressman Frank Horton about the idea in the mid-1970s. So this woman named Jeannie was concerned about the lack of recognition given to Asian Pacific Americans. And at that time, there were already celebrations like Black History Month and Hispanic Heritage Week that were put into place already. So Jeannie just felt like it was the right thing to do to push for some kind of celebration for Asians um, as well to promote public awareness of the contributions that Asians have made to American history. Especially for Jeannie, it was very personal on her end because her great-grandfather, M.Y. Lee, had come to the U.S. from China in the 1800s and he helped build the Transcontinental Railroad that was a big part in U.S. history. And he and his peers played a key role in American history, but they suffered greatly for it. So she believed that they deserve some kind of recognition for it. And there was a lot of back and forth before this legislation actually became a thing. But in 1992, Frank Horton, the man that I was talking about before, introduced a legislation that would permanently designate May as the commemorative month for Asian Americans. And if you guys are curious as to why they chose May as AAPI month, it's for two reasons. 
The first reason was to commemorate the arrival of the first known Japanese immigrant to the U.S. on May 7th, 1843. Um, I read that online. And the second reason was to honor the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad in uh, on May 10th, 1869. Yes, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy that little history lesson um, just for like background story on how Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month came to be. And for the rest of this podcast episode, I thought I would just sit down with you guys and kind of talk about the subject of AAPI month and just everything related to it. There's really no structure for the rest of this episode. It's more of like a little storytelling time. Really what prompted me to talk about this subject on today's podcast episode was the work that I was doing with CFDA on behalf of AAPI month. Um, I was so grateful for the opportunity they gave me to interview professionals in the Asian American Pacific Islander community and to write an editorial about them for the CFDA.com website. Like literally doing anything for CFDA.com is completely amazing, but the fact that I was able to write for a topic that I associate with and I'm very passionate about meant especially a lot to me. So yeah, that was a super amazing opportunity and I got to talk to amazing figures in our industry like Ji Won Choi, Yayi Chen, Michelle Lee from Teen Vogue, and Mian Chen from Refinery29. The fact that I looked up to these people during my early years in this industry and now I was able to talk to them and learn more about their lives was just really an incredible experience. And if you guys are interested in reading my interviews with them, you can definitely check it out on CFDA.com. Anyway, asking them questions related to this special month really inspired me to kind of talk about my own background story as being an Asian American. And the funny thing is, I didn't talk very much about my background in my very first episode of this podcast, which was literally entitled, Who Am I? But um, that was really weird. But looking back at my very first episode, I think I wanted to talk more about my career background in the fashion industry because I just figured that that was more interesting for a first episode. But, you know, now since we're focusing on Asian Americans in the fashion industry, I thought I would share my story. So I was born and raised in New York City, but my parents immigrated here. Uh, My mom is from Taiwan and my dad is from the Philippines. My mom is fully Chinese and my dad is half Chinese and half Filipino. And they both came to the the U.S. when they were around my age, uh, maybe even a bit younger. They went to college in New York and that's actually how they met and, you know, fell in love and all that stuff. So... Obviously, after that, they had me and my siblings. And for those of you who don't know, I have a twin sister and a younger brother. My parents were extremely responsible because they didn't have us kids until they were married and had bought our house so that they knew that they were financially stable enough to take care of children, especially, you know, having twins. And let me tell you guys, having twins is a headache financially because you basically have to double all expenses. But weirdly, I still want twins when I get older and have kids of my own. Um, But I digress. Since both of my parents came to the U.S. when they were still relatively young, they became pretty Americanized and therefore my siblings and I are even more Americanized and we're even less in touch with our Chinese slash Filipino heritage. My first language is English, but I did go to Chinese school when I was a lot younger. The saddest part is I did quit Chinese school like in fifth grade because I just got a lot busier and I didn't make Chinese school my top priority anymore, which is one of the biggest regrets that I've had so far. Um, I would say overall, I'm an intermediate Chinese speaker and a beginner when it comes to reading and writing in Chinese. And at this point, I honestly think I know more French than Chinese, which is kind of sad, but I promise I will go back to learning Chinese at some point in my life because I really want to fully be trilingual. And a lot of people ask me why I wanted to learn French so bad and why I went even as far as to minor in French studies like throughout my college journey. 
but it's actually because I've seen the value of knowing French, especially in my industry, like the fashion industry, where a lot of companies and brands are based in like France, especially Paris. So also, I just really do love the language and culture. Um, so that's why I'm learning it. Anyway, I totally went off topic on what I was talking about because that's what talking about French does to me. But anyway, what I was saying was that as I started to get older, I became more and more Americanized and it didn't help that both my parents were very Americanized at that point and my mom wouldn't even speak Chinese with us anymore. So my entire family was just speaking English at that point. I think what a lot of people don't know about me until they actually get closer to me and meet my parents and stuff is that I was raised very differently from other Asian American kids of my generation, I'll say. I mean, I'm only saying that because I have my friend's way of living to compare my way of living to. But I don't know, I think my parents just really adopted a very Americanized way of raising a family and that's why my siblings and I are the way that we are. This is super hard to explain and I don't want to be like crossing any lines that I shouldn't cross, but whenever I have my Asian American friends over to my house or whatever, or even my ex-boyfriend when he first met my family and everything, they would always tell me how low-key whitewashed my family was um, because of what we did and like how we lived. I don't know if some of you can relate to this, but I never really saw it as a bad thing. One thing, for example, is how typically Asian households don't wear shoes in the house and they always take off their shoes. Um, and my family does that as well, but not in every instance. So there are times when I'll wear my shoes in the house and so will the rest of my family. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if you guys really understand what I mean, but the main point that I was trying to convey was that from the very start, my family would never really raise me to be that big on our Asian heritage. And it's not because they purposely wanted me to be more American but I think it's due to the fact that they came to the U.S. at a relatively young age and adopted that kind of lifestyle. So that's a little bit about my story and what my background is, but thinking about this month and being able to talk to figures in the industry about their own Asian American backgrounds and how they were raised, it made me think a lot about my own life and my past. I don't really talk about this a lot because it's not as relevant as it used to be in my life, but I used to really dislike my Asian heritage. Keep in mind, I used to be really naive and insecure when I was younger, so a lot of the dislikes came from the physical things like having monolids or smaller boobs and even having like straight black hair to me was super annoying because I wanted to have, you know, light brown hair that was wavy and had curls in it. And the reason I'm not afraid to admit all of this and share it with you guys is because I think we all have these moments in our lives where we do feel insecure and may want to even look like a certain way because we don't feel like our own selves are beautiful. And let me know if some of you can relate to this, but I remember when I was really into computer games where you had to like make and dress your own characters, I would always make like this fantasy person that I wished I looked like. So my characters would always look the same, but they would look nothing like me. And for some reason, that's just something I did subconsciously. I wasn't even trying to force my characters to look a certain way. Um, and that's when I started to notice that there was a really big problem with how I saw myself. And I wish I could explain to you guys how that all kind of changed, but I think I've come a long way since then. And I really can say that a lot of it has been a contributing factor to age. As I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate myself and the way that I look so much more and... You would think that it's the opposite because now I'm so much more exposed to social media than when I was younger. But the key for me was in finding value in other things in life about myself that made me unique from other people. This is by no means the easiest thing to do, nor is it the most self-explanatory thing, but I think it just really does come with getting older and getting wiser. I mean, I'm only 20, but I suspect that I'll grow more and more as I get older. So back to where I started with this episode, interviewing these notable Asian American figures in my own industry for Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month 
really got me thinking about this unique community that I get to be a part of and how this community has made great strides, um, not just in the fashion industry, but like in the world in general. And it just made me so proud and passionate about being who I am. The biggest thing I got out of doing these editorial pieces was the importance in staying true to yourself and your own identity. Really don't strive to be someone else because there is only one of you and that is what makes you unique. You guys can definitely take my word for it because I do have a twin sister, someone who is biologically the same as me, but we are nothing like each other in terms of personality and the passions that we have in life. So other than providing you guys with my whole backstory and more about how I've come to appreciate my Asian American heritage, I wanted to also mention some Asian American figures in industry that I really look up to. Some of them are people that I've looked up to for a while now and some of them are also people that I kind of just recently came across that I've grown especially fond of. Someone that I have looked up to in the Asian American community that I've been fond of for quite some while now though is designer Sandy Liang. I know you've probably heard me talk about her in some of my past episodes because I was actually really lucky enough to have interned for her in the past. But I kind of wanted to tell you a little about the story between how I came to appreciate Sandy as a person and as a designer. And for those of you who are not familiar with who Sandy Lang is, she's basically a fashion designer in New York City who graduated from Parsons in 2013. Her designs are very much inspired by grandmothers in Chinatown with a bit of edge and grunge to them. Um, so she's best known for her fleeces and if you've seen a fleece featured somewhere in like Vogue or Elle or on Instagram honestly, it's probably one of Sandy Lang's designs. Anyway, before I even ever applied to intern for Sandy Lang, I knew of the brand because it was kind of popular popping up on Instagram all the time, like the sponsored posts, and I also just heard her name when I was, you know, in school at Parsons. So I think my love for the brand really took off when I started following her brand on Instagram and saw all of the cool designs that were coming out that were really unique at the time and unlike anything that I've seen before. Of course, at that time, I couldn't really afford to buy any of her pieces because her brand is considered a luxury brand and the prices were definitely way up there. So at that time, I was really just admiring her brand from afar and through social media. Also at that time, I would start to see a lot of magazine editorials of celebrities wearing Sandy Liang pieces and I got more and more intrigued about the brand, obviously. I do remember one summer when I was looking for internships, I was, you know, thinking and brainstorming all of the brands that I wanted to work with to do my, you know, cold email method, which if any of you guys are new and confused as to what I'm talking about, go check out my old episode on how to land your dream internship. Anyway, I ended up cold emailing the Sandy Liang team from an email that I found on their website somewhere and one of the girls actually got back to me about a phone interview that she wanted to proceed with. So long story short, I did the phone interview and I got the internship for the summer. By the way, this internship was unpaid so I actually had to take on another internship that summer just to pay, you know, my bills. But yeah, even though it was unpaid, I knew that it was an exciting opportunity to be able to work with a brand that I had looked up to for such a long time now. But even a few weeks before I would officially start interning with the Sandy Liang team, I thought it was a good time for me to do more research on Sandy herself and to learn a little bit more about her background through like online interviews to see who, you know, I was going to potentially be working with. And guys, one of the biggest reasons why I found Sandy Liang to be such an inspiration to me and my life is because... We have very similar backgrounds from the start. Sandy actually grew up in Queens, which is where I grew up and am currently living in now. Sandy and I also went to the same middle school when we were younger, which makes sense because, you know, we both grew up in the same area. And for high school, she ended up going to a specialized high school in New York called Stuyvesant, which 
was a very prestigious high school surrounding math and science. And if you guys don't remember, I mentioned in my first podcast episode ever that I actually went to a specialized high school called Bronx Science that was also very strictly math and science based. And finally, Sandy graduated from the Parsons School of Design and, you know, I'm currently attending the Parsons School of Design now. So when I found all of this out about Sandy, I felt like a profound connection to her as a person without even meeting her and I just felt like it was meant to be that I was going to meet her and be able to intern for her. And I think that's a big reason why I found her story very inspiring because it was very closely aligned with mine and what I wanted my story to be, if that makes any sense. Sandy Lang is not just a fashion designer in the industry, she's also kind of like a social media figure and a huge figure in the Asian American design community in general. She always stays true to her identity, whether it's through her designs or the projects that she takes on. And I'm not going to talk about my experience interning at Sandy Lane because I've talked about it in my previous podcast episodes like tons of times. I kind of just wanted to focus more on how I came to admire her as a person and the work that she does. Other figures in the industry that I really look up to are Han Chong from Self Portrait, Vera Wang, Michelle Lee, as I said before, from Teen Vogue and Mian Chan. And Michelle Lee and Mian Chan, as I mentioned earlier, I was lucky enough to interview them for this month's editorial on CFDA. This month just means a lot to me because I get to talk about these people who are big inspirations in my life, but I also get to talk about my story and how I look up to these people, you know, to carve a life out for myself. And I really strive to hopefully be someone in this community that people can look up to and not just for recognition, but but knowing that people can get inspired by the things that I do just means everything to me. But yeah, I'm super glad I was able to talk about this topic on here. And I really encourage you guys listening to reach out to me and share your stories with me because I'd love to hear them and chat about them as well. So sorry if this episode was kind of a messy one because, to be honest, I kind of just went in head first without any structure. But I mean, this podcast has kind of been an outlet for me, especially during this quarantine where I've been able to just say whatever I want to say and hopefully you guys can relate in some way. Before I end today's episode, I wanted to share that I'm starting something called listener support to help sustain this podcast and future episodes that are coming up. And if you're familiar with Patreon, listener support is kind of like that and it's just a really great way for any of you that are listening to help support me in doing this podcast. I literally started this podcast all by myself with no one to help me except for like some YouTube videos and online articles Everything associated with this podcast, including like the microphone that I'm using right now to record, comes from my own money that I saved up. So with that being said, with listener support, you guys can support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. And I'm super weird about asking for donations, especially through a podcast, but if you're loving what you're hearing so far and you know you want to show some support in helping me fund this podcast, then... All of the listener support information will be available in the description, so you guys can find out more there. As always, I want to thank you guys for tuning into this podcast and to hit that follow button if you're liking what you're hearing. And if you guys have any ideas for future episodes, give me a DM on Instagram because I would love to hear them. Anyway, see you on the next episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast.